Welcome to the Accidental Fatherhood Podcast with James and Ash. We started this podcast because there isn't a lot of support out there for us guys. We're going through a pretty tough time right now. Yeah. Yeah. Accidents, not mistakes. Unplanned pregnancies and new relationships and what is going on with our lives. So we're trying to bring a little bit of support through some awesome special guests and it's a place to commiserate together. <laughs> Hello. Oh, it's so great. I think it's fantastic. You boys both look nervous about the baby sounds. I think it's magic. It is so, so good. From a listener's perspective, I think it's gold. Awesome. I'm not, I'm not too worried. James is. Yeah, oh, big time, mate. Okay. You can see him sweating. I'm okay. I love it. Two verse one. And we are rolling, everyone. And as you can probably hear, we've got two guests today. One is little Billy here. Hey, hey Billy. Hey. Say, oh, say hello so to everyone. <laughs> There's a wave. Yeah, she's cute as. Um, and we have Dr. Cam McDonald on today. Cam, would you like to give us a bit of a quick intro of uh, who you are and what is your specialty? Sure. Uh, so who I am, gee, that's a big question. <laughs> I might unpack that over some time. Uh, so uh, from Gundagai originally, Gundagai boy in New South Wales, 2,000 people, very small town. Um, went to school in Sydney, uh, and then I went into a bit of a health professional binge. I did 10 years of university exercise physiology, dietetics masters, and then a PhD in chronic disease of all things. So uh, women go through breast cancer treatment and there's a whole lot of increased risk that come along with after breast cancer for cardiovascular disease, diabetes. And we're looking to see if we could prevent those conditions and at least look at markers to do that. So that was a combination between exercise and nutrition. That got me really interested in the idea of helping people more substantially because I was in hospital doing some work. And what I found with all of that is you would get people for 15 minutes and then they would go forever out into the world after they've had a heart attack. So I'd extend that 15 minutes into an hour 15 on ward and the nurses hated me for it. It was all just about cardiovascular health and what you can do when you get out. And it just made me realize I really wanted to stop people getting here in the first place. And so I went out into private practice while I was doing my PhD and uh, started just aiming at better results for everybody. And what I realized is that not everyone responds the same way. So different people need different diets and different exercises. And I wasn't really aware of that. I was just reading the average literature, the randomized controlled trial of 6,000 people. You take the average when in fact there's big bell curves associated with all of that. And there's people going really poorly. That's right, Billy. And there's people going really well for that same intervention. And so I then started looking into personalization and how we're different, genetics, gene expression, different hormones. Um, and for the last nine years, I've been training health professionals in precision nutrition, precision exercise, precision health in general. I've been working with an organization called uh, Shea, the Shea Group, and they have really, we have the, the world's leading technology in understanding what makes a person different and what should you do with that difference to bring best health in all aspects. And a part of that work is not only training health professionals, but working with parents, working with schools to understand what makes a child different, why do you react differently to them, um, what stresses one person out, won't stress another person out. Um, and, uh, and and that came about, that real interest in parenting for me because the, the organisation had it on its roadmap, but I got really heavily involved in it because I was an accidental father. Mm -hmm. I was with a um, uh, my partner at the time and three months in we fell pregnant we um, gave it a good crack for 18 months and went our separate ways for a couple of years and then had a year together, had a, a year apart and then had a couple of years together and had another child in that time. <laughs> All Both children were relatively unplanned, the second one less so, 
Um, since then, we've we've parted ways, and uh, we're we're very amicable now. Um, but I definitely have a great experience of the accidental fatherhood thing, uh, co-parenting right now, and I've got a eight-year-old and a two-year-old. Lots of fun. So my my life is training individuals on how they can improve their health personally, uh, and then the children, obviously not, and then the children plus or including, and prior to that, the children. <laughs> so they're the two things in my life and, uh, it makes it very, very full, which I yeah, love. Sounds really full. And I've had a personal experience with you, um, guiding me through that shell, uh, the Shea wellness program, uh, which was really, which I thought would be a great guest here to help other dads out there, or just people understand that their health better and how to personalize their health, which I thought was really good because part of it was personalizing, not only just what you should be eating for your personality or your, your gene type, but what you should be, how you should be exercising, when you should be exercising, mm. all of these really customized um, approaches to health and wellness for the individual. Yes. Did you want to uh, explain kind of how it works, how the Shea Wellness works a little bit? Yeah, sure. So um, uh, 20 years ago, there was a, a pretty incredible group of individuals that said, we want to fix chronic disease and pain by the year 2050. But if we were to do that, you need to know that people are different because we just finished the genome mapping, not, not our group, but the world had just finished the genome mapping. And they realized, oh, there's a whole lot of different genes and they mean a whole lot of different things, but they don't account for everything. And it's super expensive back in the 2000s. So it was you know, tens of thousands of dollars to do a genetic test. Now it's 90 bucks or whatever it might be. But they said they, we, need, we need something that's more scalable, something that's more affordable and accessible to understand how people are different. And so they started looking at things like the size and shape of your bones and your where you hold fat tissue. And all of these things are genetically determined. Your BMI is 70% genetic not 70% food or whatever it may be, uh, but whether you're going to have a higher or lower BMI is mostly genetics and uh, not something that you can change throughout your life too much. But obviously you can make yourself very unhealthy or healthy based on your environment. Um, so looking at things like that, we started in the medical science, uh, looking at disease, interventions, how people responded to disease, and then came up with essentially a map for these specific structures in the body, these specific phenotypic, phenotypic markers like hair color, eye color, skin tone, the diseases that you've had, certain people get certain diseases, other people don't get those diseases. And uh, they put all of that data together into a big machine and started questioning for the data. And, and essentially we're able to develop a really powerful algorithm that's been built on now over another 100,000 individuals that have come through through a verified data set that we have. And so we now have a very, very specific understanding of how people are different using just a simple uh, measurements or in the case that you went through um, uh, photo assessment mm -hmm. and that can actually take the measures off the off the photo and then a number of questions that then populates this incredibly complex map in the back that says hey spinach is actually a little bit better for you than kale and beef is a better choice for you than lamb and the time that you want to exercise is in the afternoon but if you are going to exercise in the morning you want to do something light but you can go really hard in the afternoon then we also looked at uh, how these hormones and genes that we're looking at were influencing brain function and we noticed that well, I mean, we, it's well founded within the literature to say that if you've got higher testosterone levels as you're developing and some people are more sensitive to testosterone and have more of those hormones it changes the way that your brain develops throughout your life mm. and it changes your behaviors as a result and Essentially, your behaviors are, are who you are, not necessarily what you do. It's your response to the environment is mostly driven by your biology. And I'll, an example for that is you've got someone who's higher in testosterone or testosterone sensitivity, and there's lots of variation in that. Um, 
we know that if you say, hey, let's walk down to the street and press the pedestrian walk crossing button, that person with a little bit more sensitivity to testosterone will want to win that walk and press the button first. Like there's a natural competitiveness <laughs> that comes along with those hormones. Whereas there's another person that says, I don't want the chaos of a race. I just want this to be a nice journey with a friend where we're walking down to the pedestrian crossing. It doesn't matter who presses the button. We've got all the time in the world anyway. Completely different response to exactly the same situation. And this is driven predominantly by the genes and the hormones that we have. So we're looking at how individuals vary with all of those things and not just mind, food and exercise, but also your physical environment, your your social environment, your workplace, time that you sleep, uh, and even how, how functional your brain is throughout the day. Like it's afternoon right now. This is a good time for me to be socializing based on my Shea app. So it's a good time to be chatting to people. Whereas awesome. in the morning, it's a good time for me to be focused and not interacting with people, yeah. for example. So different things, different times, different people. Yeah, that's cool. And what I really liked about this program as well is, and I think the real benefit in there is understanding yourself better and also understanding, say, if you run a business or a team, understanding the individuals on the team better so yes. that you can communicate with them in how they will like to be communicated with. Okay. Yeah, that's right. Um, yeah, and have that and make it easier for that communication between between your team members and know how to approach them in the right way that they'll, they'll understand or, um, yeah. Yeah, exactly. So if you've got a competitive person and you know that they're, a, they're built competitive and you go up to them and say, oh, hey, um, we've got this thing happening in uh, three or four weeks and I just want you to read this pre-reading uh, beforehand and uh, like we'll just catch up on it um, a little bit over the next three or four weeks and see how we go. This person's already bored. They're like, where's the race here? Like mm -hmm. that's three or four weeks. That's an eternity. Well, I don't know what I'm doing tomorrow, let alone three or four weeks. But if you came to that person and said, hey, we've got this thing on tomorrow. We need a big rally. Are you up for it? Not many others are. They'll go, oh, I'm up for this because they love the challenge side of things. And so the way that you can engage someone at work, if you understand how they work, you can not bore them and just give them excitement all of the time. Or they can be completely opposite to that and want all the time to prepare. Or they uh, they just might want to know what's the context of this? Why is it important? And if that's the case, then I'll do it. You mm -hmm. know, So different people need different things. And we've, we've seen this variation that yeah. it's driven biologically. And what I like that you've done is you've kind of simplified it into groups, right? So yes. is there eight different so, yeah, so the first layer of personalization is we go into six health types, and this is based on embryological development. So in the womb, there, and oh, sorry, I'll just finish that little piece first. Essentially, you have um, these six types, but the types are just clusters of tendencies. So we know that a person that's in the same type as another person, they'll have similar hormones that have been influencing their development and that will then give similar rise to the way that they process the world and process information, which is great. Um, but then, of course, there's differences between those people as well. So the six types is very much the, the place to start. Um, and then after that, it's uh, it gets a lot more uh, individualized. But where, where that all begins is in the womb. So there are three layers of the embryo when a baby is developing and it's only a few weeks after after conception that this occurs and you in each of these layers are different organs so in the first layer the ectoderm there's the nervous system and the skin and then you've got the musculoskeletal tissues the heart the reproductive glands um, they're found in the uh, the mesoderm and then you have the digestive organs lungs pancreas thyroid liver in the endoderm and so when you've got these three layers, and the way I like to think about it is like a, um, it's a really bad analogy, but it works, is, is let's say that you're at a chair factory mm -hmm. and the chair factory has 
the wooden bits that make the structure, and then you've got the fluffy bits that make the cushion, and then you've got the leather that makes the outer. So different departments. Let's say that you go, hey, we really want to invest in the leather department, and you dump lots of cash into that space. All of a sudden, it's the most beautiful leather on the couch, but the fluffy stuff leaves a bit left to be desired, and and the structure of it is a little bit weak because the, the and that's exactly what happens embryologically. Yeah, we choose which are the organs that we're going to pay more attention to. That's a genetic decision that's made, and it's also an environmental decision that's made. You can have identical twins actually that choose different layers to develop. And mm -hmm. as a result, they, they can actually have subtle differences in their body shape and their function, even though they've got the same genes, yeah. because this is something that's happening after the genetic information. So it's almost like environmental um, influence. It is. Rather than genetic. It's, like, it's, it's strongly genetic, but also influenced by the, by the environment as well. So if you have, and, and the, the reason we say that is because when we've looked at children and their parents, certain parents, of a certain type are much more likely to have a child of that type as well. So there is a genetic component, mm -hmm. but then there's also an environmental component. You can have some couples that can have any type of variation. And so how this all works <laughs> is all happening here. Um, are we dropping toys? Are we dropping toys? We love it. Um, so how, how it works is let's say that um, the, the, the environment and the genetics choose the mesoderm, the mesodermic structures, that is the musculoskeletal tissues, the heart, the blood vessels, the uh, reproductive glands. So if you just emphasize those organs and those tissues, you end up with a, a body that is like wanting to move and towards a reproductive end, essentially. Like I'm competitive, I want to move, they've got more testosterone. We actually see a thicker adrenal gland in these individuals too. So as they're developing, their whole life, they'll be exposed to more adrenaline and more testosterone, or at least be more sensitive to testosterone their whole life. And so if you then put them into a classroom, for example, and they're used to more adrenaline and more competitiveness, and you say, sit down and do nothing. They go, this does not feel natural. Mm -hmm. I'll tell you what feels natural, throwing a paper airplane with the piece of paper that we're meant to be doing our work on. And let's just see what our response is. And they get this amount of heat coming at them. They go, oh, finally, got my adrenaline back. I feel mm -hmm. normal again. And this is a normal biological response, a normal uh, variation of how a person has developed. The hormonal environment for them is different compared to somebody who uh, has a lot more prolactin, for example. Prolactin is a hormone that makes you grow bigger, but it also makes you very nurturing. And in that same environment, they'd be thinking about, oh, I don't want you to get in trouble. Like, we've got to make sure that everyone's okay. You know, it's, they're not thinking about, can I get in trouble? Can I break the rules? Can I do something differently? They're thinking about, is everyone going to be okay? Because prolactin is a very selfless hormone. That's why you're mm -hmm. able to breastfeed endlessly, even though the baby doesn't sleep and just poos and wheeze everywhere and then vomits what you feed them. And it's like, why would I give you more food? You're just wasting it. You know what I mean? But the prolactin says, no, you must. Mm -hmm. And just makes you very, very selfless. This is one. And that obviously increases in males too, as they get closer to the time that the baby comes around and the more centered time you have with the baby too, there's a higher prolactin level, but there are some individuals with more of this hormone generally. And instead of just looking after their child, they want to look after everybody. And that child in a school environment is having a completely different experience, wondering about how everyone's going, making sure that everyone's okay. If they've got a big trust with their teacher, then they want to make sure the teacher's okay. <laughs> and, Someone's um, not okay. Yeah, I know. They just want to be part of it. I get it. Um, so it's been uh, – so I guess where I'm going to with this and, and without going into all of it, we've got these – 
decisions that are made embryologically, mm-hmm. which then sets a trajectory for the way our organs and our body is going to develop. This doesn't just change uh, the structure of our body. It also changes our behavioral tendencies as well. We can map that into six groups to start with, but then everybody is an individual. And that's when we get very, very fine grained into that detail as well. So, yeah. So there's a, there's a spectrum for each one of those personality types. Um, and do the, and can they cross over a little bit to each as well? Yeah. And with the with these types, is there like do females generally sit in a certain like a predominant personality types over the males? Like if there's someone like males would probably be more sensitive to testosterone, so would they go into like a certain personality types more so than the females, or is there is there a split there? Is what I'm trying to it's, ask. It's much more even than you would think. Mm-hmm. So um, there are some bodies, uh, and there's ones that are quite straight up and down, like bodies that are straight up and down. Think marathon runner at the Olympics, very straight up and down. There are fewer women generally that have that straight up and down than guys, because guys, the way that we develop. If we don't have lots of muscle tissue, we'll be straight up and down because yeah. we don't have the hormones that make our hips wider, for example. And so you'll see maybe a 60-40 split in that kind of body, but everything else is pretty even. And probably what's more interesting than thinking about gender is um, is nationality or uh, you know, just just heritage. So if you go to the um, Sam- if you go to Samoa, for example, they will see um, you'll see big bodies, big strong bodies. And they've got a greater amount of growth hormone, greater amount of prolactin. Everything is about family. I don't know if you've been to Samoa, but I was going to say, yeah, it, when you were saying that point on the uh, prolactin, yeah. I was thinking that's what I was thinking. Yeah. Islanders, I'm like, man, they're like the nurturing, most nurturing people ever. That's right. But you mean, I wondered if that had something to do with it. It does. And yeah, sorry, yeah, yeah. Can you guys hear me? No, no, we can. No, that's perfect. <laughs> um, cool. There goes. <laughs> it's all happening here. It is. It's good. So, yes. So what you'll see, you'll see bodies here. Like Essentially, their culture was set up. The biggest person on the island is king. That was Tonga, for example. And so, But also there's like the taro has a natural growth hormone in it as well, which is one of their, you know, like base foods that they consume. So over generations of that environment, they're all just bigger. But with that bigger shape, Come, you can't get bigger without hormones. Hormones got to be there. So prolactin has a, a dominance in its in its profile in that. And you'll see one of my friends, Simone, he has a hundred first cousins, and this is because he's got you know fifteen to twenty aunties and uncles, all with six, seven kids. Wow! And they all live in a big family resort, which is prolactin heaven of I'm going to look after my family. And you might think, oh yeah, but those guys are you know they break bones on the rugby pitch, and he goes, that's right, because they're protecting their team. But as soon as they get off, they're like, oh, thanks for the game. And they're super helpful and super happy. And you're like, why are you talking to me? You were trying to rip my arms off, yeah. you know, 20 minutes ago. I'm, I'm pretty lucky. My brother-in-law's half smiled. Oh, yeah. Yeah, good stuff. Yeah. It's good to have protection. <laughs> it's, and it's unquestioned loyalty because prolactin makes you bond and and connect and selflessly give. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas you go to Scandinavia, and I spent some time there uh, doing some research during my PhD, and they've got a very, very low obesity rate. And that's because they've got a completely different way that you develop. If you're a cold adapted body, not cold adapted so much, but um, you develop in the cold, one of the ways that that can happen is but you end up with a longer, leaner, and typically with blue eyes, lighter hair because there's less sunlight and all of the, the blue eyes and all of those features came from 
sort of northern Europe mm-hmm. and have descended down. And you can look at world geographical maps of where eyes are and, and colours and associated with the equator, et cetera, et cetera. So, but what we see in Scandinavia, much more slender body. And this is more of an influence of the ectoderm, which is the nervous system and the skin. And they're very cognitive as opposed to family, which is what mm-hmm. the prolactin is all about. And so they are super clicky. I was with a guy, I was doing research with a guy who it was – we had really similar interests. We were doing exactly the same research area, same age, same stage of life, really interesting. It took him three months to invite me out for a beer. And it was <laughs> stated quite openly, um, yeah, we just we make our friends when we're 20 and we just don't need any more friends after that. And it's only a small group of friends that they make. Yeah. So it's a really introverted uh, demographic. But their body structure is also commensurate with that. We see uh, longer, leaner individuals being more introverted. They have to be because, well, not that they have to be, but it matches their physiology to be internally working because they're constantly scanning for threats so that they can be safe and they can be more strategic, whereas a bigger body has less to worry about. So they can be worried about other people and it doesn't bother them too much. Yeah, interesting. So the hormones that make the body... Uh, supporting the behavior that are also going to allow you to your best chance of survival, yep. which is what it's all about. So interesting examples and, you know, we can go through the rest of the countries, but probably won't right now. Yeah, <laughs> yeah not really interesting. I think that was a, a really good way of explaining how the genetics work and the, and the personality types and the history of that. So what are, can you explain what the six main personality types are and just briefly kind of touch on, sure. on, on yeah. what they and, are? And once again, I'll just state for everybody, everybody listen, you are a snowflake. You are individual, you are different, and I'm going to be going through a few examples here and you might say, oh, I feel like all of them, and that's totally fine too because you can be a combination of all of them, but think about your friends as I go through the next little period. So if you're more dominantly developing out of your mesodermic tissues, that's your musculoskeletal tissues, that's the we call them the activator. Generally, activators uh, have got a bit more fire in them. They like to go, they're innovators, they're adrenaline and testosterone sensitive. So for any given moment they are more reactive, okay? Mm. And this reactivity is, it's not good or bad, it's just energy that gets released very quickly. As a result, they speak directly, they're competitive, uh, they like just getting in and getting things done, they don't like long, boring lists of detail, it's like, just give me, let me brainstorm this, be creative, break some rules, and then I'm out, you know? I don't want to have to finish Mm. things off and be really thorough because that just bores me because there's no adrenaline in that. So uh, they are... They're very strong when it comes to seeing a different way, an abstract solution to a problem without going through the logic of things. They're very much do first, think later. And I'm just going to use my adrenaline, see what happens, and then I'll learn from pain if I need to. Yeah, and you said that's because I, I thought I was a crusader, crusader which we'll get into. Yeah. But you said to me today, I think you're an activator. That's right. And I'm like, ah, oh. and now you're explaining it to me. I'm like, that does sound a little bit like me. <laughs> yeah, that's 100%. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So the um, And so along with that, you'll see a, a body that's slightly like shorter, more muscular. Uh, you have good muscle bellies, and it's just great for movement, essentially, because musculoskeletal dominance creates a body that's ready to go. So, But you don't have as much growth hormone as a guardian, for example, which is the prolactin body. And now the guardian is higher in prolactin, They have a body that naturally will get bigger. They'll have bigger legs, bigger arms. Think of the world's strongest man. There are no activators competing in the world's strongest man because they don't have the growth hormone Mm. to be 200 kilos that you've got to be to actually compete at an elite level. You just can't get there and be healthy at the same time. So uh, these bodies are bigger and their rhythm is steadier. 
and they're more family oriented. So they're more generous and giving. But you put that with a bit of testosterone for a male and you'll have bullish protectiveness as opposed to gentle nurturing, which may be a more feminine way of thinking about the guardian. So this is a, a type of individual. Generally, they've had trouble with their weight their whole life because we think that there's a problem with weight for, for starters. Um, but you go to Samoa, Tonga, uh, they're well respected for having a strong child, a strong body. This is the, the way things are. It's just that we live in Australia with an American with American influence and it makes all the things different. But ultimately, this individual is very caring, very nurturing. They are um, wanting to make sure that they are constantly giving and they will be tirelessly in aid of others. So um, this is where the activator will be tirelessly looking for the new thing to attack and then to start it and then drop it and then start the new thing. Guardians will be looking to set up a relationship and care for that person for the rest of their life. That's mm -hmm. what prolactin is all about for many different reasons and many different examples. So uh, we then have the other extreme, which is the sensor. And the sensor is, uh, they're the they're the um, the ultra long walkers at the Olympics. So they're, they're very long and slender. There's really not much shape through them. They've got a really delicate bone structure. The high jumpers as well would, would fit into this model. Uh, very delicate bone structure, very light in general, and they develop more out of their nervous system. And so the nervous system and the skin are very, very sensitive tissues and because they need to use their brain to protect themselves because they don't have the physicality to protect themselves. The guardians are super chill and mm. steady and just like hanging out with their family because they can look after them there. The sensor is saying, I want nothing to do with anyone. I just want my own space in a dimly lit room where there's no noise where I can focus on my list or my reading or my art or my imagination where I can get into my brain. They're incredibly sensitive to the environment around them and any input from the environment will stimulate their brain up and they're constantly uh, told by their parents, oh, you just got to stop thinking so much. And they go, well, how, I don't know what to answer to that because all I do is think and they articulate all of their emotions through thought. Hmm. They don't just feel it like an activator and act on it. They don't feel it and cuddle people like a guardian. They think their feelings essentially. And so they are very logical. They're very structured. Uh, they are... Uh, they love following the rules. And so as a parent, uh, you'll be looking to get as much information as you can and then follow the rules. Whereas a guardian just gets parenting. They are so selfless in the way that they do things. They just go in there and help the baby. Like they, it's just so second nature. Versus an activator, it's they'll look at the real book and go, nah, it feels right to do this. I'm just going to do this anyway. <laughs> Guilty. <laughs> yeah. You just get creative. It's yeah. uh, abstract problem solving. It's yeah, parenting. You just, and you do what feels right. And you go, oh, that didn't work. Nah, we'll have another crack this way next time. You mm -hmm. know, so, so then we have, so they're the three majors. So we've got the mesodermic dominant tissues creating that competitive innovator. We've got the endodermic tissues creating that generous nurturer. And then we've got the uh, the ectodermic tissues creating that very sensitive thinker mm -hmm. uh, and and the introverted thinker. We then have the combination of the thinker and the and the innovator, and we have that's the crusader. Mm -hmm. So the crusader is dopamine dominant. Dopamine is all about the task at hand. I'm going to do this task, and while I'm doing this task, my brain will provide no other energy to anything else other than this task. I'm focused on this. They'll sit at their desk all day. They'll work for 10 hours. They won't eat or drink because the dopamine is just very rewarding for them. And they'll be like, how can you not hear the baby cry? How can you not, you know, um, why aren't you listening to me? It's like because their whole brain is set up for this is the mission that I'm trying to achieve. And they are often most seen as the selfish ones. 
because their brain is saying, I've got to focus on my mission and they're so good at blocking everything else out. Their whole reward system is about the thing in front of them. Mm. And so one of the things that a crusader dad has to learn is what is, and this is what I've had to learn, I'm, I'm a crusader, is uh, what? how do I make my children and my partner a project that's going to be a successful project mm. because they're great at chasing a project. Yeah. So you say, right, well, I know that my son is a connector. We'll talk about them next. Um, he needs fun and excitement. And my brain likes getting outcomes and being driven towards something. And if I try and make him get outcomes and drive towards something, he doesn't get into it. And so what I have to do with my brain is think this child wants fun and excitement. So I make a list of what are the things that I would do to make it fun and exciting. And then I execute on my list ah, with, with my drive. That's clever. And so I'm using my strengths. I'm planning it all, but he's seeing it as a surprising experience. And when, when I get parenting right, that's what it looks like. Yeah, right. That's cool. Yeah. So, yeah. And, and this is where, um, but just knowing that because crus crusaders often can get accused of being unempathetic because they're very steady and focused. And it's like, they just don't take it in. A perfect example is activator partner comes up to a crusader dad and says, let's go to the beach. And the crusader goes in their head, it's going to take half an hour to get ready, 45 minutes to get to the beach, 20 minutes to unpack, probably going to get, you know, we're going to get back by two because we've got that lunch. We're going to need to give an hour for that because I don't want to rush her because if I rush her, that's going to make the whole party <laughs> terrible and the night after terrible as well. So we have to get back. I have to clean the car because I've got that thing tomorrow and I won't have time to clean the car after this. So that's going to next half hour. We're going to have about 25 minutes of like actually playing on the beach. Is it worth it? <laughs> and so the, the answer comes back, nah. And then they go back to their work, tapping away. <laughs> so I can relate to that so much because I do go there. I go, okay, I do because I'm a bit of a planner. Yeah. Um, even though not, I didn't plan my pregnancy. Um, but, yeah, I usually plan stuff like you're saying. Then i like, are we going to have time for that? What's after that? So I definitely have crusader tendencies, Yes, I believe. So yeah. I can see how I was, totally. like, you know, misdiagnosing well, my... You, well, activators and crusaders are, are close as yeah. far as the on, the on the scale of things. Yeah, right. There will be a lot of similarities. So, um, so yes, no, absolutely. So and, and this is just important to understand. There's nothing wrong with your brain. Everyone's got different brains, mm -hmm. and, but you just got to lean into your strengths. So activators should know that you're going to be very impatient as a dad because you're going to be thinking, where's my result? Where's the fun? Where's, where's the excitement? Yeah. And you're going to be good for about half an hour. <laughs> you're going to be- dropping it on the keyboard. Um, you, <laughs> You're going to be good. It's still recording. Sorry. It's good as gold. It's still recording. It's all good. Yeah, sweet. You've got to be good. You're going to be good for like half an hour of like intense play and then be like, okay, I'm out. Like I'm done. Yeah. I just, I want to have a break. And that knowing that that's okay is good because if you try and just be on the whole time, you'll burn out, for yeah. example. It's really interesting because I've, I've got a friend who's, she must be, uh, a, not was the other, what was the first one you said? Activator? The, no. She, well, she's, guardian? She might be a guardian, okay. I think. Or sensor? Or a sensor, but she's super extroverted. Oh, right, right, right. right? And she doesn't think about things. Okay. Like she's very spontaneous. Let's, let's go connect her Connector. Then. She must be a connector. Yeah. Um, and when I'm with her, I feel I feel myself feeling really foreign to her. Like I'm like, I am so different and alien to her. Yeah. I'm feeling really kind of insecure about myself because I think so much. Yeah. And she's just not thinking at all and just, you know, enjoying the moment and everything. I'm like... Wow, I really notice my differences when yeah. I'm when I'm with her. Yeah. Same with some of my extroverted friends. 
they're, they're probably connectors as well. But when I'm with them, I I literally just sit there and I'm entertained so much by them. Yeah. Because they're they're just fun. They're extrovert. They're being funny, and I'm in my head a lot, just thinking and watching. And but I I really kind of feel my difference in personality when I'm sitting there. I'm like, wow, I am so different. <laughs> yeah. Well, and this is where it's completely changed my lens on how I look at people now. Like I used to be in those same situations where there'd be these really extroverted people, and I I'm a little bit more introverted. And I would judge myself or I'd try and make myself judge them to, to make myself feel okay. And now I just get to say, oh, man, look at their biology fly. Like yeah. how awesome. And you get to appreciate yeah. actually what's generating this normal response from them because for them it's just them living. For you, you're just living. You know, it's just a different a different way of responding to the same environment. Yeah, it's very contrasting. And I, I love being around him. I just... You know, Damo, who's I'm speaking oh, about. Yeah. Yeah. You exactly <laughs> who you're talking well, yeah, about. He's, he's really fun to be around and it's so entertaining. And I just watch him. He's like the life of the party wherever we go. Yeah. It's amazing. It's amazing to watch him just, yeah, just work the room and yes. get to just you'll talk to everyone. You'll go out for a beer with the guy and you'll end up at a party. Yeah. And, or, right. yeah, I went down. We had, we had a bottle of some of um, this, uh, what was it, Fireball. Yeah. And we were drinking it at home and we ordered a pizza and literally we went down to the pizza store. And by the time we'd left, everyone in that store, like the workers, had all had a shot of Fireball before we left the, you know, it's like, it just blows my mind that he can just go into a place like that and get everyone to have a shot of this drink. Yeah. Like, it's it's so something I would never do. You know what I mean? Yeah, totally. And this is, so it was a good segue to Connector. So Connectors, uh, they have more sensitivity to oxytocin which is obviously I heard you talking about Dr. Ash. Yeah, that's right. It's the trust and connection hormone. So when you have a connection with somebody, it it releases oxytocin. There's this really interesting thing about some people with an oxytocin variant, they can look at your face and they can determine your emotional state from your face. And then what we notice with connectors is they have that and then they can chameleon their state to match yours because when you match and mirror, you get more trust and rapport, which then stimulates oxytocin and a sense of belonging and togetherness, which is mm. what they're looking for. Mm. And so um, this has been a really, really powerful insight for me with my, with both my boys who are both connectors. Right. Uh, and so because they're very different to Crusaders where I am, but my dad's a connector as well. So um, what, what they're very good at, everything is about how can I keep everyone together? How can I keep it sticky between mm-hmm. everyone? And the way that I do that is I make it fun and dynamic and I make sure that I've got little trust points with everyone so that they want to stick around. And so they're very, very good at assessing your emotions, checking you out, matching you, creating a little bit of trust, giving you a high five, giving you a shot of fireball and then moving to the next person and doing the same thing. <laughs> um, my five-year-old or seven-year-old is not quite doing that yet, but the um, eight-year-old, I should say, he just turned eight. So the... Uh, So what we see is what's really interesting about this body, though, is if they create trust and then their trust gets broken, it's now they get scared about creating trust again. And Mm -hmm. it's the thing that makes them feel whole is to have belonging. And if they get a friend that breaks their trust, now oxytocin becomes this dangerous chemical and they don't want to experience it in large amounts anymore. And they, they can have very superficial relationships as a result rather than depth. Yeah, and this is this is one of the the ways that their persona can play out in stress, and so one of the most important things if you have a connector child or if you have a connector partner is you need to let them express everything that's on their brain because they feel a lot. They've got this adrenal oxytocin surge and a little bit of prolactin in there as well. Like it's all kind of mixing together for explosive, fun relationships, mm-hmm. and the way that that translates is they have to verbalize everything. 
So the crusader gets asked the question, um, uh, you know, do you want to go to the beach? And they do all of that thinking in their brain and then just say no. The connector will go, well, we've got this and we've got that and that would be kind of fun and this would be that. And they'll talk it all out uh, because they need to verbalise to get clear. And so if they aren't heard and if you aren't listening, then they don't get to share that feeling with their, their, your thought, their thoughts with you and they don't get that sense of trust. So they'll want to talk and they need to be heard and then that feels really, really good. So yeah. as a connected dad... Uh, you're going to be naturally creative at keeping it fun. You might also be a little bit bored when the baby's not giving you much back, mm -hmm. but you'll be looking for their facial expressions to get a real sense of reward of am I doing a good job because yeah. your facial expression recognition is way higher. So come six months and, you know, when they're starting to give you a little bit more back, know that that might be a little bit more fulfilling at that time. And up until that point, just spend as much time as you can just focusing on mum and reading her facial expressions and keeping her happy and whatever it might be. Yeah. Um, but, but there's a natural care and compassion that comes along with that because their whole modus operandi is to connect with people. So they've got a natural ability to, to connect in that way. Yeah, yeah. Um, He's, and he, my mate's always looking for a good time. Yeah, exactly. Fun and, yeah. and friends. And, like, very, and very loyal. He's a very loyal friend. Yeah, well, the way we describe this with animals is that the connector is the puppy. Yeah, right. So it's my, my best friend. I've got my owner, but I'll play with anyone. You know, it's and, and it, <laughs> but if yeah, that's like that's him. And if but if you don't have a best friend, yeah. you're a scattered dog on the side of the road that's scared of everyone. So that oxytocin relationship is actually very very important, and that's you know one of the the, the bit of the research around skin to skin contact after birth mm -hmm. and how important that is. It's forming the primary dyad, and it's all very much related to oxytocin and things like that. So. Uh, there's a real importance generally for that, yep. but for this kind of body even more so because that's that's really where it's coming from. So, what, what do you think you are, Ash? Um, body type so far? Would you? Have you well, connecting I've, with I've it? already been told that I'm a diplomat. We're not there yet, but have you? <laughs> yeah, you, <laughs> you right. just told me. You had would, one look at me. And you're like you, diplomat. <laughs> would you? Would you resonate a little bit with connector though? I think so. Yeah, yeah definitely. Because yeah, he's the connectory diplomat in my the two ninety. Yeah. What I was talking yeah, about. Yeah, because um, Damo and I get along famously. Yeah. Whenever we're together, it's always going to be a good time. Yeah, that's cool. And I know that, like, I can just go there. And you whereas could... you, you do sit quietly. Yeah. Whereas I, I like cool. I'm with Damo, so I'm going to get involved here. And yeah, and I've, I've always help had, out, like, help so... brother out with the with finding a party. <laughs> when I was single, I like I would have trouble going up to strange strangers and girls, and I, it, and I, I would see Damo or Ash just go up and talk to a bunch of chicks. I'm like. I wish I had that. I just don't have that. I, I'm in my head too much and I'm just not, I don't know. There was something, you know, it, it's nice to know that it's a little bit genetic and not just um, Yeah, well, and this confidence. is probably one of the most important things before we go to Diplomat is um, every response in your body is part of your makeup and there's no bad or good. Mm -hmm. And if you go to analysis, it's because thinking through things sometimes is helpful for you. Like that's how one of the ways that you're protecting yourself, for yeah, example. Yeah. But there's ways of then clearing your mind and if – we were talking to an activator, the way that they would clear their mind is to go for a really hard hit out exercise mm -hmm. or just really blow some steam off. Yep. And that would then calm them down and make them feel a lot more centered and yep. themselves and it gets them out of their head, for example. That's, and that's why I think that's why I like to exercise. I love just punishing myself and then I even punching yourself. No, punishing, punishing. Punishing, punishing yeah. myself or kung fu. I like just yeah, yeah. being being present and like getting hit and like working myself to the yeah. you know, going really, really hard. And yes. then like, I just love doing that. Yes. It See, just feels go, really good. I go through seasons of that, or I have in the past, mm -hmm. but usually when I'm involved with the team environment. Yeah. Yeah. So well, I'll go to diplomats okay. just to see how it all sits. So diplomats, so guardians, guardians are the most nurturing and protective, 
sensors are the most neural and thinky, mm-hmm. and diplomats sit in between those. Right. So diplomats have the most variation in their body size and shape. They can be everyone from the rock down to Nicole Kidman. Oh, that like, sounds about right. Yeah. yeah, it's pretty much. <laughs> you pick your body, mate, wherever you like in there. So the um, they can be tall, they can be short, they can be anything. And so, uh, but what, what's interesting about them is generally they have opposite to the activators. Activators are all about starting things and doing new things. Diplomats are about finishing things and completing things. And they're also more, uh, they're a bit more conservative in the decisions they make as well because they're saying, right, they're, they're rewarded very much by serotonin. Serotonin serotonin's the, the hormone that comes about when you complete things or do things well. You go for a long walk or run, serotonin levels climb and climb and climb, and then you feel this awesome calm afterwards, like I'm in the right place, I've done the right thing, I feel good. And so there'll be a want to have a think about things and consider things deeply mm-hmm. before they take action. Mm-hmm. And then once they take action, they're very committed to that action. And with the guardian element, there's a lot of service to that. Yeah. Versus for and and then with the sensor, it's very cognitive at the same time. So it's I'm going to think about these things and then I'm going to act steadily. Um, but then you can have, you know, and what I'm what I'm guessing over here, like a lot of variation within the diplomat. You can have uh, it's on a 360 degree chart and a 290, for example, we know has a, a fair bit in common with a connector. And so there'll be a steady, a steadier version of a connector. And and even the way that you expressed it, it's like. I'll help demo out having a good time. That's a service-based thing. Whereas a connector would just be thinking, how good's this? Like they're not thinking about, I'm going to help this person have a good time. It would be, I'm going to make fun out of this. It's a, yeah. it's a different way. So that service-based, it, there's a cognition to the decision-making to go and have fun. Um, that, I mean, it, it, I don't know, it sort of made a point for me with, with, yeah, when you said it that definitely. way. Definitely. Because sure. demo's like, how can I have the most fun possible? Yeah, I don't think he cares about how how it affects everyone else. It's just like I just want to have the most fun. Yeah, and I'm going to get my mates as drunk as possible. Usually, it's like the way it goes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's just keeping everyone together. Yeah, so that I'll make it as attractive as possible, so you will definitely not want to miss out. And they are the ultimate FOMOs as well, where they just want to be part of everything. Yeah. Um. Where and so a diplomat as a parent, um, you're going to have to be thinking about. Uh, when plans change all of the time, that's a bit of a violation for your brain because mm. you've planned this perfect day. Yeah. And now the perfect day has been sidelined by them having a nap. <laughs> and now that doesn't work anymore. And now my schedule's out and now I can't get my serotonin and now I'm a little bit stressed and scattered. And the other thing as well that happens is that they've got a more night owl physiology. So you do better in yeah. the afternoon than you do in the morning and high-pitched screams is actually one of the worst things that can happen for a diplomat in the morning because their nervous system isn't quite ready for it yet. And so just knowing that naturally you're not going to be up for your best parenting in the morning <laughs> and that's completely okay. <laughs> that speaking almost, of high on, almost on cue. On cue, thank you, yeah. Billy, legend. Thanks. Sorry, that. We... Uh, but understanding that they may not be at their best, they've got to, you've got to plan better in the morning mm-hmm. and you've got to plan for chaos. Yeah. You've got to say, okay, I've got this eight-hour block of my day. Three hours of it every day is always messed up with something. 
Yep. So I'm going to put a three-hour block of something, of just nothing space in there, so that I know when I do get derailed, I've got that time to pull down on. Yeah, right. Whereas connectors and activators are way less attached to their plan. Yeah. And so they'll be like, nah, whatever. And that can really frustrate a couple. So this is where we then start having... Yeah. Couple counselling, you have a, an activator who's up in the morning and fired up. The diplomat's not waking up early enough and that's frustrating <laughs> for the activator to say, hey, why don't you get up? Why don't you help me with X, Y, Z? That makes the diplomat exhausted and then they're useless at the end of the night again when they normally would be great but they were stressed out in the morning. Um, and then, But also the idea of the activator being really flexible with plans because they're just going with the adrenaline mm -hmm. and the connector, same deal. Versus the diplomat needs time to consider and that actually bores the activator and connector and all of a sudden it's two people just trying to make the decision that benefits everyone and themselves exactly the same intention delivered differently through different biology and all of a sudden you've got to fight for no other reason other than you've got different hormones running through your body. Yeah. And it's just understand that to say, oh, hey, I can totally see where this is going. I'm, I just need a few moments to think about this. I love how like ready you are to make the decision. I'm not quite there yet. Can you just give me a moment? And then all of a sudden it's completely dissipated and not a thing anymore mm. and everyone knows they're on the same page. And this is where that information, just from a self-awareness point of view, is very, very powerful, not just for when you're parenting but for um, for for couples, relationships and understanding your children as well. Yeah, definitely. It sounds really powerful. Um, yeah, and it's good to know these things. And also, like when you know when you need to get up in the morning, when are you at your best? Even whether it's for work or performance, or yeah. even having you know time with your your kids or yeah, your partner to understand. I was gonna ask. So, how easily is it to get ex um, ass assessed? This? Hey, Billy. Um, wait. Uh, you can do it at home yourself. So. Um, the way to do it for families, we have a parenting course and the parenting course comes along with a parent membership and then you can profile all your children. Um, and it takes about 45 minutes at home. If you've got a, like a, a sewing kit with a tape measure in it, then you can do it. I actually brought mine today, mate, so we could measure you up. Yes, um, the, uh, so yes, so very, very simple. And what we've been able to develop is with all of the information that we have on all of these thousands and thousands of people with those measurements, we did the ground truth research on genetics and hormones and, disease predispositions back in 2000 and 2010. So much so now we can take some very simple measures and understand a lot about the body very, very quickly. And this is the same for the children. We take some very simple measures of their bony structures and a couple of photos, and that information can be used to understand, right, because kids' bone ratios are showing at three years of age, two years of age, you'll, you'll see whether some kids have got shorter femurs and a longer trunk or longer femurs and a shorter trunk. And that's very much related to their embryological development. It's also going to be associated with their behavior. So, I mean, we'll do it in 20 minutes after this call today. Yeah, it's yeah, it's yeah, very awesome. quick. Yeah. Are you also finding that um, different, sorry, I forgot what they're, they're called. Health the types. Health types mm. also um, are predisposed to certain diseases. That's right. Like, so, um, if you're saying I'm a diplomat, I've yes. just been diagnosed with adult ADHD. Right. Is that like a common thing that you, you are finding? Like when you said um, dopamine, that's one thing that I've noticed because most of the tablets are based on giving more dopamine to yes. the body. So like my brain function now, when you said oh, are you able to zone in, when yes. I'm taking those tablets and they're working, that's exactly what I'm doing. Yes. Um, is that something that you are, you are finding? Yes, it is. Like, it is a bloody can of worms. The um, <laughs> the so firstly, we see um, uh, ADHD is. It seems to be more associated with like true true diagnosis. Seems to be more associated with um, the activators, but we do see a lot diagnosed in the diplomats as well. Uh, but it'll be for different reasons. Activators get ADHD diagnoses because 
you look at the list of, of, of symptoms for ADHD and it's can't sit still, can't focus, can't lead, but are hyper-focused on things when they are interested. Like they've got all of these systems, symptoms which are exactly the profile of an activator just in a classroom board, right? And so it's yeah. then the, the teacher doesn't know how to control them because the treatment that an activator needs is to run around outside mm. and they'll feel better. Yeah. And we had a school, we work with a number of schools, and one of the ways that the educators were able to manage this, and I will circle back around to, to your question, um, one of the ways that the schools worked is they had a couple of activators who could not sit still in maths and were really distracted. The PE teacher said, oh, I've actually got um, those activators in the PE class before maths. I'll try a couple of things because we told them that movement is their, their goal. And so he took them for an extra 10 minutes at the end of PE and just ran them ragged, like absolute <laughs> comp- competition one after the other, just like nonstop for 10 minutes, completely exhausted them. They absolutely loved it. They went, then went to maths and they were completely dialed in and centered because they I had got- released all of that energy. Yeah. And you think about that from how a person builds their identity uh, and activate it. Like everyone is building their identity off how do I respond to a, a given situation, right? Um, and... If you're predominantly influenced, particularly as a child, by your hormones and your genetics, then how you form your identity is actually off these natural impulses that you have. And so you have an activator in class who's getting antsy in maths and the teacher says, stop moving, stop talking, follow the rules, do your work. And they identify saying, my natural response is wrong. Mm. Who am I? Yeah. Whereas, think about, they go from PE class... Sorry. Um, <laughs> Sorry, guys. <laughs> they go from, um, oh, mate, you got to work on your hands for summer, I'll tell you. The, uh, the, um, whereas you think about how, how that child's going to feel if they go to PE class, they have the best PE class of their life, they then go to maths and crush it. Like, mm. think about, they go, oh, school, school rocks. That's what they think. Yep. As opposed to, there's something wrong with me. Yeah. Just the small little change. And so, getting back to the point where, um, it's not a lack of dopamine in every brain that's causing ADHD. It's a mismatch with the environment. That's what mental health conditions are. They are mm-hmm. a mismatch of the environment. And if you match the environment to the person, they dial in. So if the, the way that we would be supporting an activator to get to be a more of a match is to firstly get them to do some movement, like a quick two-minute all-out exercise break, and then give them a bit of a competition to see who can get the most correct answers in the next five minutes and all of a sudden now their hormones are completely dialed in, not to the maths, but to the competition, yep. and they feel better because they just had the movement. And that then allows them to focus for the time that you need them to focus, for example. Whereas a diplomat, often uh, a diplomat will be scattered and distracted when it's chaotic, they, they don't have good structure and good scheduling, mm-hmm. uh, when they don't have enough enjoyment and pleasure where they feel like they've got their completed time. They're constantly then searching for where's my next goal. Like if I, and I, I can't focus on this because I'm trying to figure out what's the best decision for me to make in this moment right now. Yep. So the way that they need to be calmed and to be focused is to say, hey, this is the very meaningful exercise that we're going to be doing right now. Um, this is uh, meaningfulness is very important to a diplomat. They're long-term thinkers, and so they want to be putting action towards something that's meaningful. So we get them to focus on what is meaningful in your life. What? Why is this meaningful? Why is this work at school meaningful? And what are the simple steps to help you get there? And this is the structure, and this is the time, and this is the, the space that you're going to have to mm. do that. 
And if they understand, oh man, this is why it's so important and I know the steps, I can be really focused on that. Yeah. But if it's, hey, we're going to do this oh, and then we're going to do that oh, and oh, we're changing that now and going to do that, they'll be like, well, 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 and then they can't focus and then, oh, yeah. I don't know what's wrong with my child. They're not focusing. And then this is the other situation as well where we, uh, because we're not treating the nature of the child, we're just saying, take this drug, mm -hmm. which does not occur in nature. And then we follow them for 20 years and, the, and, oh, they're having trouble connecting or whatever it might be. It's like, that's because their brain has been completely reshaped by these hormones, these, these drugs, I should say, that wouldn't have normally occurred in this level or this amount in their mm. brain. And so this is where there's a, a real argument for let's actually figure out the nature of the child first. Let's treat that. And then let's see how they respond yeah. uh, rather than because dopamine's great. Uh, some bodies are not designed to be mega, mega focused all the time. Like you, you aren't as creative when you're mega focused. You're not as um, innovative. You, be, you become more linear. And that's not a person's nature. Like if Damo was super linear, it'd be the most boring bloke to hang out with ever. Like it, you, just, you wouldn't know where the party is. Like you just go, well, we do this, these four steps because yeah. I'm super focused on getting this complete. And then it takes all the spontaneity out of who he is. And so to take that away from him would mm. be to go against his nature when he actually brings something incredibly valuable to the table yeah. uh, that would be changed by, by something like that. Yeah, so, so this information is really, really valuable for parents. I, well, for me, I, I, can, I can speak from my experience. Actually, no, we've trained thousands of parents in this and it, it makes the world of difference. Like I'm an early bird. If I've got a night owl child, I know how to manage them. I, can get, I just don't rush them in the morning and I let them have a really peaceful start to the morning and they love it, you know. I, I know I've got a – we've had other families where they've got a guardian dad, a sense of mum – a connector daughter, an activator son, and a crusader daughter. So oh, all of them, five of the six. <laughs> and like, you know, the connector's getting more cuddles at night and the crusader goes, why, why does she get more cuddles at night? And he goes, oh, just because she's a connector and she needs that to feel really safe. Do you want more cuddles? Nah. <laughs> but there's just this, it should feel uneven, but it's actually not uneven. It's completely appropriate for the different child. Yeah. And understanding that and acting with certainty, because this is the problem with, so many parenting books, they're, they're written by someone with incredible intention, incredible experience, but not with a fully, like with a, a structured, personalized lens. Mm -hmm. And so you read all of these strategies and you just apply them you know, shotgun style and see what happens. Whereas this, we know, okay, you've got a connector. All you've got to do is just make this moment fun. Mm -hmm. And you just watch their whole life rise, you know, versus... Oh, you've got to sense a child. Oh, they will want to spend way more time by themselves. You give them as much cognitive work and 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 sort of activities as you want, and they will just drink them in, and they will absolutely love that. But they'll also want a lot of time alone. Mm -hmm. And you've got a guardian mum with a sensor daughter, and all the guardian wants to do is protect and nurture and you know smother, and they're pulling away, which makes them want to smother more. Yeah. And to say, hey, all you've got to do to care and protect this child is to actually create a really safe physical environment for them. Let them, you know, go into their room, do their own thing and be in the dim because it's just too sensory to be in the light too much, all of those things. And you're actually caring for them the best way as opposed to there's something wrong with my daughter or there's something wrong with me. And mm. it's just, it, it allows um, an understanding and, and a real foundational, like so much, you know, of relationships. I'll, I'll let you get something in a second, mate. But the, um, the, so much of relationships about communication and understanding. If mm. you have an assumption that somebody is different, that's the best place to start because you know they're not going to respond the same way to you. And if you have an expectation that they will respond completely differently, 
then all of a sudden you'll be much more accepting. And what this what this does, I'm hoping just with the people listening right now, it's opened your mind to, oh, people could act differently and that's okay. Mm-hmm. And that might actually be part of their biology and there may not be anything wrong with them. They're just different to me. And if you're starting there, then you're starting at a place that your kids want you to start and that's unconditionality. Like I'm just going to accept you for who you are and how you behave and then and then go from there. Um, so, and I'd say as a, as a uh, when it comes to couples as well, it's a pretty good starting point as well. Yeah, and I think Lissy Abraham said this last week or the week before was um, it's okay that your, your partner's different to you and you don't need to change them. Yes. Like it, and it's about re- just recognising that and they don't need to be the same as you and that's okay. Yes. Yeah. And, and, or, and I would add to that that if you can find out what they're great at, like if I get um, uh, Ash over here and I say Ash, and like I'm Ash's partner now, wake up in the morning, mate, I just want you to stay in bed. I just want you to just really chill out this morning. <laughs> Alicia. Have a nice time. Uh, he's going, oh, my God, this is the best environment. I feel so seen. And at the same time, um, you know, you've got an early bird partner. He says, hey, I know you feel a bit guilty getting out of bed early, but I want you to, like, I want you to go, like, take the morning while it's hot and all mm. of that sort of stuff. And, like, um, I know that I don't respond as well to you with spontaneous plans, but I love how creative you are and like I want you to lean into that and I'm going to do my best to manage it. Like all of a sudden they feel seen. Mm. It's just this if you can then encourage what comes naturally to somebody, you encourage their who they are, mm-hmm. you know, like how so much of our biology is our identity. Yeah. Um, not the conscious identity that we create for ourselves, but part of it is informed by that as well. And um, but so much of how our body, our physiology, our physical nature responds to the world, which then forms part of our identity, um, is if you can assist people in in being comfortable with that, then they they are happier people. Mm. How much of our time do we spend not ourselves? Because we're <laughs> exactly Billy. Because we're socially restraining, we're holding back what we think because we don't want to share a certain part of ourselves because we think it's going to be judged or whatever it might be, you can really assist a person in just being much happier and less stressed by just, I love who you are and I love how you are and all of these things about it. Yeah, Yeah. because I can imagine if you were, say, a connector, for if you were a mum and you were a connector or a guardian and you had a a sensory, is it a sensory? Sensor, yeah. A sensor daughter or son and they're really, you'd kind of go, why? They're like a loner. They're, you know, they're depressed. They're not happy or what's going on here? You might have that real kind of fear that you're going to have this weirdo child or something. But in actual fact, it's part of, you know, it's part of who they are. And it's actually okay yeah. that they're different to you. But I can imagine they were because of the contrast in totally. that. Totally. It and must it, be scary for a mum or a father to see that. Yeah. Well, the, the inbuilt values are going to be like friendship and care and, and mm. fun is going to be the values of the connector. Whereas for the sensor, it's information and uh, like thought and yeah. all of these things that are, uh, you know, one thing at a time, you know, that, that's how their brain's going to push them to be. Mm-hmm. So, yes, just the... Just knowing that that's a thing yeah. just allows you to be much more accepting but then really supportive of it, which is the really yeah. important element. And I think the, the, a really great thing here is that you, that you are saying as well is understanding yourself better yeah. and not, not judging that, you know, you are different to other people such as my mate Damo uh, and that's totally okay. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with you. Absolutely. Well, I had a really interesting um, – sorry, mate, you want to go? Uh, <laughs> oh. <laughs> I was, I was going to ask a quick question. Yeah. Um, sorry, interrupt. It's just a bit challenging to no, be part of this conversation. <laughs> I am listening. Though. You are definitely part of it. <laughs> um, so, can you can you change? So, you know, like obviously, I, I suck at getting up in the mornings. Yeah, it's freaky that you know that by looking at me. 
Um, but is there a, is there ability to change? Is there like is there a way to you know do certain things, take certain um, supplements that will help you become more of a person that can be better suited in the morning? Uh, so the short answer to that is no. Yep. Uh, there's a 360 degree chart that people get mapped onto and you might move 20 to 30 degrees, but you'd need to move 180 to be, go from one extreme to the other, yep. which you just won't do because we're looking at you based on your skeletal structure, which is not going to change much during, during your life unless there's a big incident or trauma or something like that. So, uh, and, and I have a real problem generally with the 5am club. Oh, everyone should just get up at five and, Eat their carrots and their their fish or whatever, right? You know, like that eat your fish type thing. Eat your frog. Eat your eat frog. frog. Yeah, eat the frog. That's right. frog. Yeah. <laughs> I was just thinking at college there was a thing where one of the guys had to eat a fish. Anyway, the um the so you have to eat a frog. And so what I mean by eat a frog is like take your hardest task on first. Mm -hmm. The uh and so what we see is that um if you take a night owl and make them wake up in the morning, mm -hmm. their body will compensate, but in a stress way. And you'll just you create tiredness. You lose the back half of your day because you're completely fatigued. You're just you're doing all the exercise in the morning. You're eating these right foods, but your energy levels aren't changing, um, and it's because your body is actually stressing at the time that it shouldn't. And yeah. and these night owls and 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 early birds, I guess, they are. It's not so much when you should wake up; it's when you should place stress on your body and mind. Yeah. So early birds can tolerate more stress in the morning, and it doesn't create as much of a a perturbation for them mm -hmm. versus night owls have to triple their efforts to tolerate the same amount of stress. It costs them so much more. Mm -hmm. And so rather than thinking, oh, I need to turn into this person, it's I just need to manage myself at this time. So while you're over there, Ash, um, the, the advice that I would give is that the way that you can be an early morning person is by being really well planned the night before so that when you wake up, you can essentially be on autopilot and not go into a stressed state so that you can get the things done, but you're not, you're not rushing. Mm. So, but, but to, to think that you'd like to get into a place where you're up and doing boot camps in the morning, the research is saying that you shouldn't yeah. and, and, and it's probably going to cost you more than what you're getting from it. Yeah. So it's about working with your body, not against it. Exactly. Yeah. It's, and it's understanding that we're different. Like, mm. the, and there's so much societal pressure, like you go to Italy and we wouldn't even be having this conversation about night owls because they wake up late, they have an afternoon siesta and they go to bed late. Mm. And it's so different to our, we've got a really early bird culture out here. So it's just so much more violent for a, for a night owl to, to get along here. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Oh, so much information. It's um, really, really cool. The, and it's epigenetics, isn't it? Is, is the term. For yeah. Yeah. That's, that's, yes. It's, it's um, yeah. Epigenetics is where, where it's happening. That's the embryological setup. Mm-hmm. Epigenetics has a number of different meanings. Essentially, it can mean the, uh, the 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 change to your gene expression that is related to an environmental input changing which gene turns on. That's an epigenetic change, and they also refer to it in the sense that you know what happens in the womb can travel from not just this life but the life after that as well, as far as the generations. Mm -hmm. So not this generation, but the next generation from a person smoking in pregnancy can affect the next two generations with their asthma risk, for example. Wow. So there's a, an epigenetics from the womb that people often talk about, and then the epigenome, epigenetics itself is, you know, we're sitting here, it's slightly air-conditioned, my genes are changing because of that environment, and that's an epigenetic shift. Uh, so it's happening in real time. It's happening in long term. Mm -hmm. There's a whole lot of differences to it. Yeah. That's cool. So do you have any more questions around this, Ash, that you'd like to 
Not in the moment. <laughs> I'm gonna have to re-listen. I'm gonna have to listen to this podcast. I know, and, uh, baby. Brain. That's okay. It's yeah. uh, um, yeah. you got. Yeah, it's, I can see this is a perfect example of you know the challenges of um, looking after a child and trying to trying to work at the same time. It's yeah, it's challenging. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I told like, you. <laughs> <laughs> everyone's telling me it doesn't get any easier, James, when the baby comes. I'm like, yeah, I get it. I get it. <laughs> so maybe that's a good segue, and just to change the gears a little bit, mm-hmm. I'd like to understand or talk about your experience in accidental fatherhood and and what was that like when you first found out your partner's pregnant? How did you deal and cope with that? Is there any tools or um, experiences you can share that um, might help others? Yeah, um, I'd have to say I probably did a pretty bad job of my accidental fatherhood. Like we we weren't, we didn't have a really solid relationship um, and uh, definitely had the intention of it really building into something great. But there was always some underlying differences that we had in our values and things like that, which... um, which were known to us, but we were kind of just, we, we thought we were onto a good thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so probably the the things that I learned out of it is um, regardless of where your loyalties lie, like if you're in a new relationship with somebody, you might have some uh, people outside that you trust more than the person in the relationship. I would probably recommend that regardless of all of that, you have a sacredness you decide to have a sacredness around your relationship with certain things where when it comes to the child, they are the first person that you're talking to about when you're making big decisions, they are the person that you're making the decision with. Mm -hmm. And then you decide what you're going to share outside Um, them. And there's always going to be times probably where you need to actually go outside and blow off steam and to, to like to manage yourself so that you can come back and be present in the relationship as well. But I would say if you can do that without, giving away that sacredness, mm-hmm. I think that creates a bond. Uh, my, my belief and for, I guess from what I've learnt, I feel like uh, you're in, whether, you th- whether you have consciously understood the importance of this relationship, it's very, very important because you are sharing something very, very special. Yep. And that along with I, I believe it creates a, a better foundation to have some sacredness in that yeah. relationship. And that, that's something that I didn't do very well when I was going through my process. Yeah. And with Alex, I always say to her, look, you've got me for life. I am, I am part of, we are bonded by our child yeah. for life. So I'm, I'm not going anywhere. I'm going to be here. So we, we're going to have this relationship, whatever that looks like. Um, I'm, I'm not going anywhere. Yeah. So, you know, I'm going to be supporting this child and being a part of your life, whatever that looks like. Yes. Which is a pretty cool thing. Um, considering I only knew her for three months when we met, um, and and we had the the baby yep. um, news. Uh, when you were saying before about the misaligned values, mm. how important do you think values are when in terms of raising a child? Like, is that where the values really came? Uh, like, when you became really aware of that? Uh, so, I probably um, I probably came from the uh, belief that because we decided it would be fine. And I think it would have served us to really get on the same page at the beginning uh, with with what values we're going to use, agree on to sort of go ahead with this child. And when you're in an accidental, and it wasn't particularly accidental, I was in a relationship with this girl um, and it uh, um, it felt pretty good at the time hmm. to be to be having a child, um, but we just didn't know each other that well. And yeah. so uh, it, it, would have, it would have served to say, hey, let's every three months just sit down talk about actually what we're going to do here, who we're going to stand for as a, as a co-parent, as a, as a relationship around this child and like figure it out because you need to have those debriefs and to know that 
your values may change individually or collectively over the months mm. as things unfold and as your plan doesn't go to plan and um, as, as things change, as you grow and as you develop and all of those things as well. So I think it's more about just being open in communication mm-hmm. and, uh, yeah, I, I, that, that would be my, my first piece. And then the second piece that really mattered for me and the bit where I think I've got better over time is just understanding a lot more about myself. So yeah. it's... I know that I get stressed by these five things. And when I get stressed, this is the way that I behave and this is the lens that I'm looking through. And I know that when she gets stressed, it's these five things. And when that looks the way that it does, then I've, and this is what I've got to do with myself so that I can support her in stress. And this is a, a, at a mate, a very good mate of mine who was having a bit of trouble with his um, partner, that really beautiful relationship. He calls him like, mate, it's just the hardest thing ever, like, she's so different and all of that sort of stuff. And I said, mate, you are an absolute master of managing your emotions. Like you should see this guy operate. He's incredible at it. I says, right now, these hormones are so big. Mm-hmm. She doesn't have that control right now. It's not who she is. It's just the way that her body is responding to this environment. And all you need to do is just be more accepting of those feelings and know that they're natural. Um, that was a, like, just that realization took me quite a long time to get there. Like, People do not enter into a conversation or a relationship thinking, I want to hurt this person. Mm. They, are, they are thinking, I've got to protect myself and I want this person to like me. You know, that's often two yeah. things. And those two things can make you really scattered with how you approach it and can really mess things up, like in, in some instances. And so, yeah, it's almost like a self-preservation piece. I know with Alex and I, we, we're both kind of uh, fe- feeling a little bit, I guess the trust isn't really completely there because it's quite a new relationship. So we're both... Uh, I guess feeling a little bit insecure around our around you know how we're going to show up and what does the future look like and yep. then you got you know especially with finances and and support and all those things like it it gets really really complicated yeah and and that's where I guess as a as an accidental father or even as just a father in general just if you make a decision I said the way the way that I would suggest it is that you make a decision on how you want to be on who you want to be when you turn up write those things down and then when when you act outside that then own it apologize for it mm-hmm. go and sort it out like get your head clear again and then come back into the space again knowing that you're never going to be perfect with the delivery of that yeah but I, I think the you know I was having a conversation with a, a mate the other night and he was at a point in his relationship where he just lost all of himself mm-hmm. and I just said mate you need to, need to do things that make you feel like you like yeah. come back to you who do you want to be independent of all other things and then just keep do it, do it for 30 minutes a day. Yeah. And then just if the more that you can live out you, the stronger that you're going to be, the better you're going to show up. And it's that confidence, which they're looking for that resonance. Mm-hmm. You know, if, if you back off being yourself when the heat gets turned up, then there's no security there. Yeah. And so you've got to double down on the things that you want to be strong on, not ignoring what, what they need, yeah. but rather just thinking, no, this is, how I want to turn up and then be flexible about how, what that list of things might be because it may not be serving you doing it a certain way because it's it might be right for you but not for her and not for the right for the situation. And yep. so then you can make another decision to be a different version of that but you turn up and be steady about as well. Yeah, and I think I'm in my last relationship I was a little bit of a people pleaser so I kind of ended up, you know, not being me and yep. I was very unhappy. And I think when that happens you've really got to kind of go, hey, like – I need to start doing stuff for me. So I think that's really awesome to to have that perspective as well. Like I need time for me in this relationship and, you know, I need to find myself again. And the other thing that you said before is like 
I have felt like a bit of a, a bit of a punching bag in this time. It's been really yeah. difficult. You know, um, I went from being really free, single, happy, and now I'm like, <laughs> you know, so like feeling quite, um, you know, trapped. now <laughs> a little bit trapped, a little bit like I'm in a relationship and it's it's hard. Like it's yes. gone, you know, really easy to really hard, like overnight almost. Yeah. And yeah, feeling like a punching bag, feeling like, you know, it's, it's really hard for it. Sometimes it's really hard for a guy to to stand there and just be that kind of, you know, while she's going through all those hormones yeah. and adjustments and, and us to kind of still go through that. It, it, it is hard. It's yeah. not easy. And I think it's that I, that's part of our responsibility as a man and a father is to kind of hold that space. And sometimes it's hard. And yes. I, I think the sometimes women forget how hard it is for us to hold that space. And I actually had to say, Alex, it's actually really, it's been really hard for me to hold this space for you. I, I need you to know that. Like, it's not easy for me. And I know because, you know, when they're going through all the pregnancy and the hormones and it's all about them and their inner world, they don't see, you know, well, they might not see all of what's going on for you as well. And the dads kind of get <laughs> a little bit like no one thinks, how are you going? How, yeah. How's the dads going? Like, how are you coping? Um, I, was, I was speaking to my brother um, literally the other day and um, he goes, you know what, we had the baby and um, not once did anyone ask how I was doing. And he goes, one of my mates, um, he said to me about three months in, he just rang me up and goes, oh, no, it was a client. It was a client actually. And she said, um, yeah, had, he had, uh, you got a baby, oh, great, and it's all about the baby and the mum and how's everything going. And he goes, then she said to me, how are you going, Phil? And he goes, it felt so good for someone to actually ask me how I was going. Yeah. Because I was not coping very well. And uh, you know, I it was nice to, you know, have someone ask that. Totally. We get a little bit left out sometimes. And, and, yeah. and we are just generally less likely to talk about it because mm -hmm. there's a, you know, an associated weakness in inverted commas that comes along with, with mm -hmm. sharing and all of Vulnerability. that sort of stuff. Yep, yeah, there is. So, and it's, and, and there's a really interesting space in the masculine and feminine and holding space and all of that sort of stuff. Um, the, uh, I would say, from my side, um, it was lack of understanding myself that probably led to a weakness in that space and not holding the space that I needed to more often. Yep. Um, and what really helped was actually just getting a lot more information about me, mm -hmm. but also the knowing that emotions are like the ocean, and I'm sure you've heard this analogy before, and the guy has to be the island. Mm -hmm. And the tide comes up, it's pretty rough, and it's like 10-foot seas, yep. and it's not that big a deal for an island. Like it, it washes over, the trees are pretty much sorted, like there's no real problems even mm -hmm. though it just bashes the sand for a little bit. Yep. And if you can be thinking about it in that sense, it's like um, that you need to be the mountain. Like this is, this is if you want to step into that space, which is a really great space, but it's not about, and I guess this is a really important thing, it's mm -hmm. about being not being a punching bag but being an empowered mountain. Yeah. And that's where you can say, oh, I'm just copying this and I'm going to blame her. And my situation, or it can be, um, she has emotions that she has, she has hormones that she has never experienced before. Those hormones change her brain mm -hmm. and and change what she thinks is she needs to be protective about. She is a completely different human inside right now, and she doesn't know how to identify with this. She has got no idea yeah. what's going on. Um, I still have me, and who am I going to show? What kind of island or mountain am I going to be? Mm -hmm. So when she does this. So, and it's even worth making a reflection on what does it look like when she's in stress? And it's these five things. Okay, well, if I was going to make her feel 
super comfortable because right now she is super confused about who she is. Mm -hmm. If I was going to make her feel super comfortable about all of that in that moment, what would I do? And you do some strategy outside and then you come in armed, ready to go (laughs) so that when that thing goes again, you'll catch it five minutes in, two minutes in, and you'll then be able to act on your list of things that you said you were going to do. And then you're being an empowered mountain rather than just a boxing bag. And it might be that you do exactly the same thing. You do nothing and you just sit there and you take it all in. But with a different perspective. Exactly. And that's where I'm letting this person figure out who she is with this baby growing inside her, for example. And yeah, my motto has been don't take it personally. And be patient. Yeah. That's been my motto through the pregnancy. Yeah, nice. And I, I would say uh, validate everything that she's feeling. Mm-hmm. Uh, probably one of the greatest lessons that I learned, and I had a very, an incredible mentor. He's a global CEO. Um, and there was some very, very good advice that he gave, and just that is um, every emotion is real to them. Mm-hmm. And even though you might think it makes no logical sense for them to be expressing things the way that they express it, <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, logic and emotion aren't, they're apples and oranges. You just can't yeah. compare them. And you cannot reason with someone being unreasonable. It's not reason that emotion is driving from. It's feeling. And yeah. that's not necessarily Logical. Uh, reasoned out. Mm-hmm. It's just there. But it's it's still valid. And this is if you can, every time they share an emotion, and even if it's straight at you, you go, oh, I totally hear you. you know, Or I'm sorry. Or you say nothing. But ultimately, if you push back, you're questioning who they are. Mm-hmm. You're questioning their feelings. And they don't really, you know, and, and I, obviously some some individuals who are pregnant will know exactly who they are in that space and all that sort of stuff. But when you're rushing with emotion mm-hmm. or, feel, or, or uh, hormones, I should say, that are very, very different to normal, you are trying to play a figure it out game. If you've got someone there just saying, hey, um, whatever you just came up, I get it. And I'm like, how can I help? Or uh, what else do you want to say as a strategy? Tell me more. Exactly. And just let them be validated in what they're feeling. Mm -hmm. And that then allows them to go, who I am and what I'm feeling is okay. And then you'll find that it it dissipates that emotion a lot faster because it's now been validated. But if you put up a fight against it, oh, I didn't do that. Mm. And and I I would go defensive. The ego. Yeah. Yep, that's right. I need to defend myself and then... I would try and logic out this emotion. The feeling that she gets is, well, you're not listening to what I'm saying. I'm saying a very different thing to what you're trying to logic out. Mm-hmm. I actually don't need you to fix this with your logic. I just need to be heard. So that, that was a big lesson for me. And I just uh, It is very much an ego game. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I think the more that you can be centered in who you are, the more that you focus on validating everything that she's experiencing, um, the, the better it's going to be for everyone involved. And it, it is a time when you're going through a lot less hormonally than they are. Uh, it is a time where you get to step up and and be a really great version of yourself and completely supportive and open and compassionate. And uh, it's it's this this one isn't so much about you. Yeah. Um, but you can be very successful while you're not making it about you. And that's where you can get a real intrinsic sense of reward and share that with the people that you love and like crush that one. Like we had a really good conversation. It could have gone bad, like celebrate those wins. Mm -hmm. Um, But uh, you're definitely the one going through less change. hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, I definitely am compassionate to what she's going through and I understand all that, which is why patience and don't take it personally is how I'm kind of going through it. It's all good. It's It's okay. It's okay. Uh, yeah, but it's it's been a bit of a roller coaster. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, hormones are like, and mm. every month they get a new set. You know, it's um, and and then you've got uh, the 
your journey as well, like intimacy is, is the most vulnerable place where you have to deal with all your baggage if you want to be successful there. So yeah, um, just seeing that as an opportunity to say, oh, I probably could have figured that a little bit earlier, but, you know, it's being figured out now. Yeah. And, and that's actually a really important part of it. Yeah, and I've been going to a lot of these birth classes and <laughs> I went to this thing called Beers and Bubs the other, yeah. the other night and they showed us like, you know, children being born, um, you know, graphically. And I literally turned to the guy beside me and go, geez, you know, I, there is a big part of me that's glad I don't have to do this. <laughs> yeah. So all I guess I'm pointing to is the anxiety around actually giving birth is there as for them as well. It's not just the hormones. It's not just all this other stuff. It's like I'm actually got to give birth to this baby. And if it's your first time, I can imagine that is full of like uncertainty, anxiety, How how's it going to go down, all of those emotions on top of everything else. So, um, and they must be feel even more vulnerable because now they've got a baby to care for and you could just do the runner anytime, I guess. Totally. Like, and, right? and uh, you know, we have a, a complete, in some individuals they have a complete identity crisis where they go, I had my life mm -hmm. from their perspective, single and happy and all of those things, and now I've got a child that is absolutely attached to me for the first seven, eight, nine, however, however long, years. Mm -hmm. Um I had all of my plans for this and now this is a complete shift. I feel completely different. Like they just lose themselves completely. Like, and, and that can be very traumatic unless yeah. it's supported. Yeah. So it's just a, it's a, a really cool opportunity yeah. to, to be a legend. And as a dad, what's your, what's your biggest advice for new dads? Uh, it is, and this is a lesson learned as opposed to something I executed perfectly, um, <laughs> and that is uh, the first six months are pretty non-interactive and you might, for me, and I've definitely spoken to other dads and they felt the same thing, like the level of connection that you may experience in the first period of time may not be huge. Mm -hmm. um, and I would spend like if you feel any anxiety around, oh, I should feel more connected or I don't, I feel like a useless person sitting over here, like just think, how can I make the mum's life more comfortable? Yeah. How can I make her feel like she's fully supported? Like direct all of your energy into her mm -hmm. and then someone's looking after the, the caregiver for the child. I, I found uh, if I was to, to rerun a whole lot of things, that, that would have definitely been my focus for sure. Yeah, and I, did, I think I said this on another podcast, the job of a mother is to look after the child and care for the child and the job of the father is to care for the mother. Yes, Right. Exactly. That's kind of our role is to support her yep. as best we can. Yeah. And and that support, I think probably the second thing, and I've already said it, but I want to repeat it because it bears repeating, is validate everything they're feeling. Yeah. Just say, okay, I, okay, tell me more about that. Okay, yeah, I can totally see why you feel that way. Mm -hmm. And even if there's times when you don't get it, it's because you're not feeling what they're feeling and you don't have to be able to get it. You can just say, hey, I, I don't know how that would feel, but I just, it sounds like it's hard whatever it might be, because that's the reality of it. You're not pandering to them. Mm -hmm. You're actually just validating something that's very real for them, you know, and you only need to get onto a – you only need to be watching your favourite team on in footy or whatever, someone you feel desperately close to, a team, and to be watching them go down in extra time by a point because the ref cheated. Think about your irrationality in that mm -hmm. moment and how different a person that you are. Yeah. And they're like, what is wrong with you? You go, but it's real, <laughs> you know. Mm -hmm. Feelings are real. And if and sometimes just being uh, having a little bit more testosterone can can lead to more logic being applied to than 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 understanding of feeling. And so just assume that it's real 
uh, and, and look to validate it and understand it more and talk about it or at least allow her to speak about it. And it'll, you'll just find that everything is a lot less rocky. Yeah. Awesome, man. It's well, funny. I picked up Spike, your girlfriend's food with testosterone because they'll be more logical. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I picked up. <laughs> Perfect. It's just hormones. Yeah. Simple, simple game, isn't it? Yeah, just simple game. Yeah. yeah. Not advised. Yeah, not endorsed. Not, not advised. Not endorsed. Where can people find you, Dr. Cam? Uh, so um, if you're interested in doing probably the most relevant place is the um, is the Parenting 360 program. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just um, education.ph360, ph, so personalizedhealth360.me forward slash parenting360. Um, that's got all of the information you need to understand yourself, understand your child's profiles. There's all, like courseworks in there as well. I would say um, – so. That's not me so much, but that's definitely where you can benefit from all of this knowledge, I guess. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm uh, you know, just Dr. Cam McDonald on LinkedIn and same with Facebook, but I'm not particularly active on either of those channels. So yep. it's, it's better off going to the source, getting the information. We have a really wonderful relationships course as well that actually takes you through all of the variations of the different health types and how you can actually really see and hear people at a biological level, which it, it actually changed my life, that that course. Yeah. So I would be strongly recommending that one, Relationships 360 as well. Cool. Well, we'll put some links in the um, the description. And Real, yeah. real quick, sorry. Yeah. One more question. Hello. Did you have access to Hello. all that gene um, biotypes when you were going through your relationship or was it after your relationship and you, you had your kids sort of so, fell apart? I get, well, not fell apart, but you guys went your separate ways. I found it right at the, right at the start yeah. but didn't really understand it until oh, probably like, as far as, okay, I knew it all, yeah. but I was so stressed that I couldn't access it. Right. Like, I couldn't use it in the moment and I was still being very defensive because that's the place my biology goes. And when you're in that space, it's so hard to see outside the haze of I'm stressed. And so I was very stressed and I knew what I knew, but I was still applying it in quite a, a self-centered way. Yeah. Um, and so over the last probably three years, I've really got that better now and I was much more selfless in the way that I was um, or decented in the way that I was applying it. So I had it, um, but I wasn't quite ready for the amount of stress that I was going to experience and how that could derail the knowledge that I had. Um, uh, it was through some good mentoring though and just working on myself that I was able to apply it a whole lot more and since I've been able to apply it, like I've, I've been able to reshape my child's school life, like just have chats with his teachers and say, hey, this is who he is, this is how he's going to operate, this is how you can get the most out of him and just watch him absolutely flourish because he's got teachers that actually understand him and it's just everything from a co-parenting situation, everything is just so much less inflammatory now because I understand that when things come up, she has to express and it's best for me to not argue and not get defensive and to actually just be an empowered mountain and go with the flow, not be too stressed about, um, uh, you know, the plan that I had and the expectation that I had, but just being flexible to whatever was going to come up is going to come up when it comes to the time that I have with the kids and who can pick up who and all of those types of things. Just um, I've found that with this information, getting on top of my own stress and my own internal self, I've been able to apply a whole lot more of it a whole lot more effectively. And a lot of my passion is just helping everyone get out of their stress so that they can interact with 
themselves mm. and others in a better way. That's that's very much the purpose of this work. Yeah, so good, man. Well, mm. thank you so much for coming on today. Sorry for the extra goo goo gaga I noises. I, I was very excited about that at the beginning, <laughs> and I'm <laughs> really glad that it happened. <laughs> Are you still feeling that way now? Oh, it's awesome. <laughs> it's magic. My, uh, can, there was a few really good high pitched screams there. Um, <laughs> yeah, there were. I, I feel like she's livening up a little bit now at the end as yeah, well. Yeah, yeah, no, she obviously likes what we're talking about. Yeah, yeah. Um, but thanks, Dr. Cam, for coming on. And um, you, yeah, we'll see everyone. We'll see you next episode. Thanks, Dr. Cam. <laughs> <laughs>